Hi, my name is Alan Fadling, and I'm really happy to be a part of this Holy Trinity community. And uh, over the summer and into the early fall, we've been talking about spiritual formation over lifetime, first through the life of Peter, and now through the life of David in the Old Testament. And this morning, we'll take a look at what is perhaps one of the most well-known stories from the life of David, the story of David and Goliath. I don't know how many of you grew up in a family where Sunday school was a part of your experience. That wasn't my experience. I will say that for a couple of years, my mom thought it might be good for me to go to Sunday school when I was five or six. Let me give you a feeling for what that experience was like. They managed to take Psalm 139, you know, those wonderful lines about, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand would guide me, your right hand would hold me fast. Doesn't that just sound like wonderful news? They managed to turn that into something that sounded to me, my five, six-year-old ears, like something more like, no matter where you hide, he will find you. That will form something in a little kid. And that was sort of some of my gut experience early on of what God's like. In fact, it, went, it got so bad that I decided in my backyard there was this one bush that I could hide behind and I was safe from this God who I couldn't hide from. I've had to sort of recover a bit from that vision of God. But David has a very different experience of God growing up, doesn't he? As he shepherded the family's flocks, he experienced God with him to help him, to strengthen him, to encourage him. In our reading, we heard the story about how God made him strong to confront the bear and how God was with him as he confronted the lion who attacked the flock. David learned to play the lyre, and David learned to sing songs that praised the God of Israel. I mean, he eventually came to write psalms of his own to express his heart about this very good God. He grew up with what Eugene Peterson calls a God-drenched imagination. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? A God-drenched imagination. And so we come to our story. And so this David, who grew up with a God-drenched imagination, comes to a place of a battle. And the story tells us that Goliath had been coming out day after day for 40 days to make his usual taunts and threats at the people of God. And the people of God were terrified. The exact language in the passage was, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Not a happy place. Can you imagine that? Day after day, this monster of a Philistine comes out and threatens. And I don't know about you, but this, I don't know how big this guy is, but he's big. I'd be terrified too if that's all I could see. But David sees the exact same scene from a very different perspective. He sees this scene with his God-drenched imagination, where the Israelites and where Saul can only really see Goliath. In fact, Peterson says that they had a Goliath-dominated imagination. That's a very different imagination, isn't it, from David's God-drenched imagination. Their horizon, 
the horizon of their attention is filled with a vision of what will happen if, maybe when, the Philistines win. And they're terrified and they're dismayed. This was a fearful and disheartening vision or imagination. So I think as we take a step back from what maybe some of us heard as a children's story in a Sunday school setting, I think it's a perfectly fair question for us to ask ourselves, what have been some of our Goliaths? Or make it even more real time. What today is a kind of Goliath for you? What tempts you to feel fearful or disheartened or even overwhelmed? What reality or situation or inner dynamic has had a way of draining you of energy or courage or holy activity? Is it a threatening situation? You know, we've been watching this hurricane. I've been multiple times a day looking at the websites and watching that little track, you know, is it is it going to go up now? Is it not going to go up? Who's getting hurt? I've, I have family who lives somewhere in Florida. I have friends who live somewhere in Florida. You probably do too. That's a Goliath. Very real. But is that the whole story? Or maybe for you, a Goliath is a daunting project or a difficult relationship or a deep wound or an overwhelming temptation. It feels huge. It feels insurmountable. And if that Goliath fills the horizon of your vision. The, that Goliath fills your imagination. It'll do things to you. David comes to this battle with a very different vision of what it is that is happening. Eugene Peterson calls the condition of the Israelite army Goliath sickness. Isn't that something? You ever come down with that? You know, like I have? Goliath sickness. Their imaginations, their perspectives, their motivations, their assumptions are completely overcome by a vision of Goliath as primary. In his book, Leap Over a Wall, Peterson reminds us that the moment we permit evil to control our imaginations, dictate the way we think, and shape our responses, we at the same time become incapable of seeing the good and the true and the beautiful. But it's into this scene that David steps with his God-drenched imagination. A few years ago, my wife Jim and I were given the gift of a trip to Israel. And on one of those days, we left Jerusalem on a bus, went to the southwest, and we came to the traditional site of the Valley of Elam, this traditional location. Who knows if for sure it was really it, but the place where that battle was said to have taken place. And there was a dried up brook up against one of the hills. And I'm not sure if I'm in trouble with the Israel Antiquities uh, Authority, but this is just a rock. I'm not claiming it's one of the five, you know. That. <laughs> but it's smooth. And early this week when I knew I was gonna be studying this passage and living with this passage and then sharing it with you all today, I, I took this out. I've just been holding it. It's kind of tangible. You know, I could, I could kind of rub my thumb on it. You know, one of the funny things about this message and my experience is that one of my Goliaths is a terror of public speaking at times. You know, can, you, can you just see the layers of irony all over that, you know? But there was something about this that, that felt like a tangible reminder that David knelt down and he found stones and God was with him and he won the day. God won the day in David's life. You know, I think about how we 
live together here Sunday by Sunday. In some ways, the liturgy that we enjoy, that we practice, is a kind of stone for us. It's, it's a tangible, it shapes our imaginations. It causes our assumptions to be transformed and our expectations to be transformed. It's not just nice poetry when we read a psalm, but it's a beautiful description of actual reality. It is tangible, even if it's unseen, it's tangible. A little bit later in his book, Peterson reminds us that David's praying and singing, his meditation and adoration had shaped an imagination in him that set each sheep and lamb, bear and lion, into something large and vast and robust, God. David had prayed prayers like the one we heard in our Psalm 16 reading. Listen to some of those lines again and see how these lines shape our imagination, our vision of reality, even in the face of a looming Goliath. David prays, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. And he prays, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely, I have a delightful inheritance. And then the line with which we opened our gathering this morning, the last verse of that psalm, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Can you imagine calling a prayer like that to mind on the battlefield with your own Goliaths, those things that intimidate or overwhelm. David has learned to do this. David has learned to see his world as a world in which God is present and a world in which God is active. What have been your Goliaths? In what way does God want to drench your imagination in the face of those dynamics or relationships, or inner places of your life. David is able to see. Apparently, no one else on that battlefield is able to see. And in fact, David is able to see the greatest reality of all, that God is in fact with them. Now, there comes a little moment where David basically offers to go up against this Goliath guy, and he goes to King Saul to offer his services. You remember that little encounter? And Saul, of course, wanting to be helpful, probably terrified at what's about to happen to this David if he actually goes through with what he's offering, offers to give him his armor, right? Now, thinking of sizes here, Saul's a big guy. He's not as big as Goliath, but he's a whole lot bigger than David. And basically, Saul with, I have to imagine, with the best of intention possible, offers David help. But the problem is, he's offering David help on Goliath's terms. He's helping David go do what Goliath wants him to do. And David knows that's not the battle that he's been called into. He's not an infantryman. He's not a hand-to-hand -hand battle man. He's a slinger. He knows how to use this thing. 
God's enabled him to use it before. And even that is not the bottom line. The bottom line is that he is going to be victorious. He sees it because God is with him. And so he kneels down to get his five smooth stones. David knows that God is with him. That is the imagination that we are invited to cultivate as we look into those situations that feel frightening to us, those realities that seem overwhelming to us. It just fills the horizon of our vision, this Goliath. A few years ago, I was meeting with a group of pastors in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I was trying to help them feel this sense of God with us. And so far, I just felt like they were sort of understanding it as an interesting theological concept. Well, isn't that nice? Oh, yes, God is with us. Almost like Saul when he sent David on, go and the Lord be with you. It doesn't feel quite as substantial when Saul says it, does it? I think he means it, but, but David knows it. David knows that the Lord is going to go with him. So anyway, we were sitting there. We were in this little orphanage. We were in the multi-purpose room, and I just had an idea of something to try. And the idea was, and we had a little more time than we do here, but I asked them to just sit down and on a blank piece of paper, write down some of the elements of their work in the week ahead. And so they had time to write elements of their job description, items on their to-do list, stuff in their calendar. I asked them especially to think of something they're a little nervous about or a little overwhelmed by, or a little uncertain they could pull off. Things like that cross your calendar, don't they, occasionally? So they wrote them down. And maybe you could think of a thing or two coming up tomorrow, or Tuesday, or sometime this week. It's an appointment. It's a task. It's a hard thing you need to do. I don't know what it is. But think of those sorts of things. And then I asked them, tell me, how are you feeling as you write this down? Now understand, we're in a retreat. This is an absolutely dirty trick on my part to make them think about their work in the midst of this relaxing, restful getaway. I mean, some of them had flown across Russia to be in this gathering. They were away from their work, and I was making them think about their work. And some of them said things like, oh, I'm, I'm honored to be able to do this. And I believed them. I'm encouraged. And others said, I'm anxious. They just started looking at that list. Oh, no. Some said, I feel overwhelmed. I just sort of let them kind of live with that for a minute. It's kind of in our morning's story, a lot of them were looking at that list as a Goliath. Felt overwhelming, felt daunting. For some of them, they might have said, it almost feels impossible, you know, to use the, the line from Jesus in our gospel reading. With you, nothing will be impossible. You know, in that story, the disciples' imagination has not yet been shaped by the almighty God who is with them. They can't see that yet. With enough prayer, with enough communion, with enough experience, maybe they will. In fact, we know they will. But in that moment, they hadn't yet. And as I had these pastors sort of look through that list, I asked them to take a moment then and just go back through that list and do one simple little thing at the end of each of those items. At the end of each one, I asked them to just write two words, with God. And so they started, and I said, it's not a race. Actually live with this. Let it soak in. You know, sometimes you have things on your list that feel boring, like pay the bills. Ooh. Pay the bills with God is, feels a little different. Or maybe it was a phone call that they need to make. They're a little overwhelmed by who they had to talk to or what they had to say. 
make that phone call with God. I asked them how they felt. And you could see it, literally you could see it on their faces. You could see anxiety drain. In a sense, they were, they were gaining a more God-drenched vision of their work that lie ahead. I did this same little exercise with a group of leaders in the Dominican Republic. One of them was a very, very busy and rather successful business guy. And man, his list just went on forever. I mean, it just went on forever. You know, it's like he's got the work of three men or something. And while he was writing his list, I saw him do this. He was taking his pulse. And, and after that little moment of the exercise, I asked him, what was this? He said, I think my pulse went up 30 beats a minute as I wrote that list. And can you feel that? And then when I had him go through and I saw him writing with God, with God, with God. About halfway through that, I saw this again. Literally, he said, my pulse just went right back down. There are ways in which we can cultivate a God-drenched imagination. There are ways in which we can engage the scriptures so that the scriptures begin to shape our vision of reality, that the kingdom is a good place, a beautiful place, and is the ultimate reality. That next to God, Goliath is a midget. It's a very different vision, though. But you sort of get that feeling from David's response to Goliath, don't you? He sees Goliath very differently than anybody else does. My hope is that this story can be just one more way that as you look into some of the challenging, difficult, painful, overwhelming, intimidating circumstances or relationships in your life, that David's God-drenched imagination might become a growing reality for you. And so perhaps as we take a moment to be quiet as we do each week, maybe some particular Goliath actually came to mind, something that has a way of filling your horizon and feeling overwhelming. And maybe as we're quiet for just a moment or two, you could envision the reality that God is with us, that he is with us on a path of life, that he is present to fill us with joy in his presence and with eternal pleasures at his right hand. Let's be quiet for just a moment.